Welcome back to Lucky Underdogs. Today, I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me is Devin Butler, no CJ Procise. But today, we're going to be talking about a massive headline that, frankly, surprised the entire college football world, the retirement of Nick Saban. A couple ways that this is going to impact Notre Dame or has impacted Notre Dame. All that coming up. Devin, how are we doing today? Oh, man, you know I'm chilling, bro. It's always a good day. Always a good day out here in sunny California. I, I don't do the intro as good as you. I'm apologizing right now. I didn't do, uh, did, no, you know, I don't have that fine. same energy, the same juice that you've, you've got, but I, you know, <laughs> no, I dig it. I dig it, man. You know, you can't forget to shout out those people, man. The good people that believe network, good at Bally sports in Ohio and Goodman productions. You know, this lucky underdogs podcast. We always focusing on those guys that don't always get mm. the prime time spotlight. Those guys, that the lunch pail guys, that they, they do their work, they hard hat dudes, and they, they get it done however they can. Now, a guy that definitely is in that primetime spotlight is Nick Saban, who, legendary coach, one of the greatest coaches of all, all time, if not the greatest coach of all time for his accomplishments that he had at Alabama. I don't know about you, Devin, but I was stunned. I, I had no thought or possibility that this was going to come through. Um it was crazy to see Marcus Freeman's name brought up and Tommy Reese's name brought up immediately in the aftermath of this. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but Devin, I just want to get your thoughts. How did you feel just seeing that news, being a former player at a massive program, seeing that Nick Saban retired, uh, him being a guy who coached when you were playing? Yeah, no, that was definitely something that, you know, you hear rumblings in the pipeline. You hear people talking about it, especially – you know, when Bama doesn't have the season their way and he's getting a little bit up there in age. So all year, I feel like it's been kind of alluded to. Some people have hinted at it. And, you know, even with some of the coaches in the NFL that have stepped down or stepped away from their perennial teams, you know, it, it's kind of like a change of the guard. And it's inevitable mm -hmm. that that was going to happen. And I think Nick Saban's definitely done, like, amazing things at Bama. But you know, is he the best coach in Batman history? I mean, is he better than Bear? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not. I don't no, know. That's the, a tough one. Bear had more wins, just as many natties at Bama. I mean, well, I he never, he never made a jump to the NFL, though. That's that's the only that's the only difference. Yeah, Nick Saban was a that was a real slight jump. That was like a little a pro hop. He he <laughs> hopped in and then he hopped right back out. You know, I mean, I love Nick Saban. I love what he's done and what he's done for college football, because I think he's ultimate competitor. His coaching tree and his lineage of coaches is unprecedented, mm. and there's no taking away anything from Nick Saban. I mean, he's going to have statues, uh, college football Hall of Fame, probably in just like the regular football Hall of Fame. I mean, he's, yeah, he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest college football coaches ever. One of the greatest. I just like to play a little devil's advocate because right. I looked up, you know, where he was on the all-time wins list. And yeah, he's not he's at like, the top. Yeah, he's like number seven or eight. Well, Paterno coached until he was like, what, 90? So there was exactly. no, he, no he knock on that off. He almost died on the sideline. You know, he almost died on the sideline. And, and you got all these dudes like, you know, Skippy so-and-so who coached at Yale in the, in the early <laughs> 1900s, late yeah, 1800s. Yeah. You don't even know if half of those wins are real. Some of them are against – you know, the St. Mary's School of the Blind. But now I, yeah, I, I get what yeah. you're saying. I think that there is a conversation that, you know, could totally, totally be had. What, what's the difference in terms of national titles? Because I actually, 
I always assumed that was it was Saban by a, a large measure. So Saban has one extra title over Bear, and okay. that was when he was at LSU. But they both won six at Bama. Mm. So it's definitely, but Bear has more overall wins. Um, I think Bobby Bowden has more overall wins. Um, there's another guy, but I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But yeah, but I don't think Bobby Bowden was a better coach than, than Nick no. Saban. I think the dominance, the the consistency, the dominance, um, and then the amount of players that he put into the league, like the. I think it was what like nine straight years or twelve straight years of first round draft picks. Like, you know, that's just that speaks testament to what the accomplishment is as a, as a coach. You want to develop the players and you want to win games. So you're getting dudes paid and you're getting dudes rings. I mean, but didn't they say this was like the first class uh, in Bama in Nick Saban's coaching career at Bama that doesn't have a national championship ring? I think this this is like no, I don't. I don't. This year, I believe that it was the opposite. the 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 class that's graduate or the class that he left, all of them have play or have won a ring or played in the playoff or something along those lines. I don't know about if it's the first time that they've gone without winning a national title because the last time they won a title. What was the last title? Nineteen or was it was twenty twenty with the uh, with the Mm -hmm. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, uh, Najee Harris here. So there probably were a couple residual guys that were, you know, that were seniors sticking around on that team. I think the biggest thing with, with Saban though, that really stands out is the way that he, he impacted the game and the way that he made these changes. He was one of the first guys to really focus uh, and take that next step with strength and conditioning, with you know all the stuff that we see with the training tables at all these programs. Sure. He led the way for all these crazy locker rooms that we see, and the, just the general resources that we have put into it. But the the biggest one is what you just talked about. There is the fact that we have this consistent cycle of first round picks and elite players that were developed from five stars into some of the best players in the NFL, all pro caliber players. Maybe not at the quarterback position, but at all these other positions, they put out so many good guys. I think the biggest thing that I I really point to for Saban, though, all those other guys on this list, they've had down years. Joe Paterno, Bear Bryant, Mm -hmm. their final seasons as coaches at their universities, they started to fall off. Bear Bryant's last year, they got smoked by Bo Jackson in that that whole – that whole Auburn team. And that was kind of the, what led to their downfall and transition and bear Bryant's retirement. Saban never had that. He had one bad yeah. first year and they were always impossible to beat. And us as uh you as an Notre Dame player, me as a Notre Dame fan got to witness Nick Saban multiple times, three oh, times. Yeah. Was it two times in the playoff that, that Alabama kicked yeah. the crap out of Notre Dame? Oh yeah. No, this is definitely rough. And, and the the level of preparation that Nick Saban has with his program is second to none. Like you said, from the strength and conditioning to the equipment to to everything. So I think you know you can always tip your hat to that. He's definitely been someone who's set the standard in college football mm-hmm. in recent history. He's been the standard as a coach. Um, his culture has been the standard as what you want out of your program and what you want out of the mind state of the kids that are coming in. Um, I know I had a couple of guys that I had a young dude that I played with in high school, Richie Pettibone. He was a couple of years after me. He went and played at Bama for four years and um, huge dude, old lineman, 
He was like 6'5", 280 in the 10th grade. Just massive kid. His dad played for the Redskins. Mm. Shout out to the Pettibones. You know, those are some good guys back there, man. But, um, you know, seeing him getting recruited as a sophomore and, you know, seeing some of the, the coaches coming through and talking to some of the coaches, uh, one thing that stood out to me, I was um, it was my junior year, and uh, I forget what the coach's name was. He was the the DB coach at the time, but he had came to my high school, and um, he came and shook my hand. He said, "Oh wow," he said, "Okay, you're, you're you're taller than you look on film." And that was the first time I'd ever had anybody like question my height. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, you know, on film, you know, I'm, I thought you might have been like five ten, five eleven. I'm like, "Whoa, dude, I'm a legit six one." Like, wait a minute. Here. <laughs> You know, so that was that was Damn. my only, uh, yeah, you know, so I was like, dang. So they was down there, bam, but they cut my film on and said, oh, yeah, that's a short corner on to the next one. I'm like, damn. Did, it, did they ever, did they offer you? Were they one of the teams that offered no, you? No, no, I didn't get an offer, but I did, uh, have, you know, just some slight communication with the coach yeah. after that. But, yeah, never no offer, man. Yeah. That's what they get for thinking yeah. you're short. That guy needs new you eyes. Me? On there. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, Definitely. You, you also, you can see that stuff on film. I, I, I do a lot of draft stuff and like, you can tell if a guy's 5'11", you can tell if a guy's uh, 6'1 or not, but <laughs> not to. I think he was just trying to mess with me. I think he was trying to play some mental games to see how I was going to respond. That would make sense. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting coach visit for sure. I know a lot of fan bases right now, Devin, are, are playing this game and they're doing mm. the well, Saban's gone, so that means we're next up. That means that we're the you know the next team that can the next that can really take power. over. Uh, I don't want to dive headfirst into that, but I would at least like to speculate: what does this mean for Notre Dame now that specifically Alabama has been a, a roadblock to national championships, having played them in the playoff, and also have in 2020 when they won their national title, and then getting. We all remember the dominating game in 2012 that was before you got there. All of those stops were troublesome in Notre Dame's history, but just more importantly, it has also been a hurdle in recruiting. And I, I point to a guy specifically who should have been at Notre Dame and Keon Keeley, who was the top recruit in the 2023 class. Last second changes his mind because of saving, because the NIL decides to end up at Alabama and he's going to probably be the next Will Anderson be a really highly drafted Bama defensive lineman if he decides to play for Kalen DeBoer. But for you, what do you think about this? Do you think that this is going to open up a, a door for Notre Dame to maybe not become Alabama, but to to be better than they've been over the past 10 years? I definitely think that this is a golden opportunity for any every other program in the country. Um, I think that with Nick Saban stepping down, it definitely does take a lot of that notoriety of going to Bama. And um, I think that, I mean, I, we all hope for success. I hope for se success for the new coach there. But I know that there are a lot of people that are hoping he doesn't have too much immediate success. You know, they're, they're hoping that they at least can have a, a year or two of rebuild so that people can kind of take some of those recruits away from Bama, some of those guys that they know would normally be a straight Bama guy and now – we might could get him at Texas A&M or we might could finesse this guy somewhere else. But I think that Notre Dame definitely is always going to be Notre Dame. And I think that if we focus on what we have to offer and what we do good, which is producing Pro Bowl, all pro caliber guys, 
at all levels of the field and producing just great men. I think that we'll always get the, those top tier recruits. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's definitely going to be good for Notre Dame. It'll definitely open up some of those doors. Like you said, with that young guy that, uh, that switched his commitment. I didn't even know about that, but yeah, I definitely think that it'll, it'll, it'll definitely do some good for Notre Dame in the long run. If we handle it correctly, you know, we don't need to go out and try to point out what Bama doesn't have. We just need to continue to point out what we do have. Akili was a was a frustrating one, and and he's again for anyone who doesn't know who he is, Notre Dame fans are going to remember him that are in really invested in recruiting and pay close attention to recruiting are going to know who he is. But in a couple of years, we're going to talk about him a ton as one of the best defensive ends in college football because he's just a really rare athlete. But back for a very short period of time when I was covering recruiting, when he committed to Notre Dame, I got to talk to him and he was. Yeah, I thought he was all in. Like I thought that this was a kid who who talked so highly of Marcus Freeman. He was telling me how he was recruiting guys to come to Notre Dame with him and all this stuff. And uh, Brandon Vernon, who's a talented player, came with him, and a number of other players came with him. But as signing day came around and as the season went on, he decommitted, and then eventually that commitment to Alabama happened. I know that's a very specific example, but I feel like you don't have to deal with that as much now because in a lot of instances where there's aren't there aren't a lot of coaches in college football that can walk into a room and say, "Do you want to come play for me?" Maybe Kirby Smart is on that trajectory, but that's probably about it. Most of these guys yeah. are b- making decisions based on how soon can I get on the field? Does the school maybe have my major? How does this set me up for after football? All of those things. But for the Alabama case, it's so unique where you can maybe offer a kid less NIL money, or a kid might come into a situation where. He's not playing for like two, three years, and he's willing to do it because he knows the development that he was going to get with Nick Saban. I mean, it, it was the whole time they would stockpile talent, guys that could have started early, red shirt and five right. stars and stuff. Oh yeah, it was. They they do they 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 had a lot of luxuries at Bama with the recruiting, and um, I definitely think it's not going to be to that same extent anymore. Um, yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be interesting to see how how they try to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw a headline that uh, that the new coach was like making like a an emotional plea to the recruits or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's the route to go. I, I don't think that's the way to, to recruit kids in the SEC. I think they 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 went they were choosing Bama for a hard nosed coach and for somebody that's gonna develop them with no excuses. So coming in with these sob stories, please choose me. That's not. That's gonna, not gonna work. That's not gonna do it. That's not gonna do it. So that's already bidding well for everybody else, you know. So I think that's already points for everybody else on that end. Yeah, especially for, sure. for the kids that that uh that just want money. I don't think that they're gonna be you know as long as their nil checks come through. I think maybe they'll they'll end up sticking around. The the one aftermath of this though, uh, Devin, that was really surprising is immediately when this opening comes about. And I know this is part of the game where when an opening happens, the agents of these coaches will text Pete Thamel and all these insiders, Chris Lowe, and say, put my guy on, you know, the list of potential candidates so I can get my guy uh, a raise. And that happened with Steve Sarkeesian that happened with, um, with Mike Norvell and Dan Lanning and all these guys. Mm -hmm. But Marcus Freeman's name was thrown out there. 
I don't know if he was necessarily really in the mix. I don't think it would have been a good fit. I want to start there. Like, do you even think that that would have been a good fit? I don't. I think that he's still he's still learning in a way, which is good and bad for Notre Dame. But I don't think he yeah. would have worked at Bama with with how new he is to to being a head coach. Yeah, I mean, it, that's tough for me to answer. I, I've I've never met Coach Freeman. I, I've never had uh, the pleasure to meet him personally. But from everything that I see, the man he commands the respect of all the of all the men in the building, of all the men and women in the building. You know, he's a leader, and so I, I don't see that he would have had any trouble there. I mean, I think he definitely fits a little bit closer to the mold of what they left, of what of what just left. Like I think he's a little more tougher, a little more hard-nosed and, you know, not afraid to show that emotion. When I think of the University of Washington coach, I think of somebody who's very cerebral, mm-hmm. very, like, you know, st- stats-driven, very, very smart with it, and not as much driven by, like, you know, the emotion and the rah-rah of getting guys hyped up around it. Where I think Coach Freeman is a little – he played defense, so he's someone that, you know, he played linebacker, so he's got that juice about the game. And I think that that's something that any football player will recognize and will respect from their coach for sure. I mean, shit, I, I wish I could have played for Coach Freeman. Sometimes I'd be hearing him talk. I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's a dude right there. Like, that's a man for sure. That's a man's man. I think from like the recruiting angle, he would have been perfect. Yeah. For, it, it's it's a total dichotomy of what they could have ended up with because right now they hired Kalen DeBoer, and the conversation with DeBoer is like what you just said, cerebral, tactile, great in-game mm-hmm. coach. But now everyone's worried that he might not be able to recruit at Alabama because he's had no experience recruiting at a high level in that region. And you know the inverse of this is if you did hire a guy like Marcus Freeman, who's one of the bright, young, recruiting um, you know, savants in the, in the game mm-hmm. right now that is just killing it and getting guys that maybe Notre Dame typically wouldn't be in the conversation for, but has shown – that he's still learning how to manage things in game as a head coach and not as a defensive coordinator. That's where the trickiness comes into play and why For I'm sure. glad that Marcus Freeman didn't leave. And it yeah. was probably to, to Notre Dame's benefit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think coach Freeman will probably have success anywhere that he goes. Um, I'm rooting for the guy in all aspects of life. You know, he's got a beautiful family, great guy. So, you know, I'm definitely rooting for him. Um, and, you know, make no mistakes about it. I think that, if Bama was to hire a young black head coach, I think that that recruiting would go maybe a little bit better than it did with Nick Saban, you know, because yeah. that, that, I mean, it, it's easy to talk to someone that looks like you and to, and that's been in your shoes and that's, you know, dealt with a lot of those things that you've dealt with. Not that, you know, you can't relate to anybody else of any other color, but just, you know, it'll, it, it adds a, an extra relatability factor. An extra layer of comfortability, and I know that you know, as a young kid, that's that's something that can be important to some of those younger kids that are coming out of high school nowadays. So I know that that Coach Freeman is a hell of a man, um, and so is Kevin DeBoer, and I know that he's going to have success at Bama just because kids are still going to want to go play for Alabama, regardless of Coach right. Saban, regardless of who's there. There's going to be kids that are like yeah i'm gonna be the next the Devonte smith i'm gonna be the next two or the next jalen hurts like they they don't care who's there they're gonna come in and they want to rewrite what it means to be a bama football so i think that you know they'll have some success 
But I think that Notre Dame is definitely on the right track. I think we've got our guy that should be there, you know, for the next 10 plus years. You know, I, I got faith in Coach Freeman like that. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I hope that this does end up working out. But that, but part of it kind of signaled to me, though, seeing how quickly his name was brought up as a possible candidate, even if it was just pundits who were, who yeah. were doing that, bringing his name up. Part of me does worry if an SEC job does come up and Notre Dame does take a step forward next year. The other one that does really scare me is Ohio State just hired a new athletic director is about to hire a new athletic director. If they decide to get rid of Ryan Day, like that's going to be really hard to try and keep Marcus Freeman away from his alma mater. So like, what do you think about that? Like, Do you think that there is maybe yeah. some type of a risk now that maybe many of us didn't even think of being on the table that he could jump to another program? I mean, that definitely is always a risk. I mean, I, I, who wouldn't want to go coach at their alma mater? you know, a place that they bled and sweat and cried for, you know. So I definitely wouldn't fault him for that. I mean, it would suck for sure, but I wouldn't fault him for that. But I do think that Mike Vrabel would be a better fit at uh, at Ohio State. You know, another Another linebacker, another, you know, head coach who's had professional, uh, who's got a professional name, and professional playing, professional coaching. So him coming back to the college rank. His recruiting, I mean, I think if they got – if Ohio State gets variable, that would be akin to when Michigan got uh, Jim Harbaugh and the hype that that brought to that program of like, okay, we've got a guy that's done it at all levels of playing, coaching, and he's coming back here and he's going to do it for us. So I think they would be better – they'd be better suited to chase after Mike Vrabel. Leave. Mm-hmm. Leave Marcus Freeman where he's at. <laughs> you know, don't don't come snatching our fruit the other day. Leave yeah, us you can there. only you can only hope uh, that 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 type of a situation is on the table. That maybe Vrabel yeah. takes a year off or whatever, and he does want to come back to uh, come back to Ohio State. The last thing I just want to hit on before we wrap here, Devin, um, Tommy Rees was actually on the final shortlist, which was really unexpected. I don't know if that man, was real who's or not. making these lists though. Like, was I that don't straight know, man. From Bama, or was that well? Like, I, I believe he was know? in consider. He was getting interviewed. Like they were at least interviewing okay. him if they wanted him to be the guy. So they weren't able to get Sark or Dan Lanning or Kirby yeah. or any of these former assistants. I don't think there was any shot. Like, do you, the, I, yeah, I, know I doubt that. that. <laughs> I doubt. I, I doubt there was any shot too. I think they probably just did him the courtesy of having that conversation with him since he was there, and since he's you know he's been with that team for a little while. Um, I don't think that he did enough this year to put himself in that type of position. Um, I don't think that their offense was that spectacular. Um, I mean, they had Jalen Milrow did great things, but I think that that was a little bit more so him than it was the game plan and the plays that were schemed up. I think a lot of what Bama does is based off of what the individuals at Bama mm-hmm. can do. I don't think they're necessarily being schemed the, that way, at least on offense. I mean, I love Tommy, former teammate, you know, shout out to T-Reese. But, um, yeah, no, nah, I don't think he was ready to be the Bama head coach, buddy. I don't know if he was ready for that yeah. one. That was not but if he would have got that one, that that would have that would have been wild. Me, I, I kind of was rooting for it. That would have been the wildest <laughs> shit ever, bro. That would have been so freaking uh, wild, bro. Oh man, that'd have been so freaking wild, bro. Like what? I mean, I would have I would have been happy for him. I definitely would have been happy for him, and I would have been rooting and hoping that he would have did 
something good and not just been a, in there and out of there. But I'm hoping right. that he, he gets picked up somewhere, that he finds himself a good home because you know, he's a football mind. He's a, a quarterback that's played the game a lot and has been around a lot of great minds. So he's got he's got a lot to offer to a young quarterback or a young team in general. Yeah, it would have been fitting, though, if uh... – if everything that Alabama did to Notre Dame, if Tommy Rees took over and drove them into the ground, to that would have been ground. Would've Three been and perfect. nine first year. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you know the, uh, memes, the memes of people oh that they would have brought out, like, oh, it would have been leprechauns <laughs> cheersing and cheers into that, like, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, if only, if only. But we didn't end up getting that. Uh, folks, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Lucky Underdogs. I'm Joe DeLeon, and with me, former Notre Dame football player, Devin Butler. It has been great. Devin, this was fun. I don't know how many more times I'll get to sit in for for hosting the show, but it's always a blast Mm -hmm. and uh, great in talking ball with you. No, for sure, man. I appreciate you, Joe, for stepping up, man. Next man then, always. There's no drop off. We just keep it going. As always, the Lucky Underdogs podcast brought to you by Believe Network, Good Men Productions, and Valley Sports in Ohio. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Peace out. Till the next time.